Um, but yeah, we were just talking about how you got that same jacket on from uh, that viral video you made that went on Rap Nation. Yeah, exactly. I decided I was going to put it on because you're the one who like hooked me up with the plug back in the days. I think you had a contact there, but I don't think this contact works there anymore. So, but, but yeah, it was, I just wanted to put the same jackets because that's what started everything. That's what started my rap career. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was Sam, right. From rap nation back in the day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, he no longer works there. But I happened to, that was such a crazy thing. Like, because um, me and Oren were trying to get on Rap Nation for a while. And then all of a sudden, I got a DM on my private Instagram from Sam, because he found out that I was in Arizona, and I have like playlists and stuff. And so he found me invited me to a party and like a show, I got to meet him. I was so nervous to go, but I got to meet him. And then after that, he was totally okay with me sending him songs and everything. Um, and yeah, man, I was totally down to like share that connection, try and help other people. And yeah, your video where people thought you were logic, that one went crazy. And yeah. jacket. Um, what was the name of that one again? It was everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. Yeah, that shit was it's on that thumbnail. Like it's as if they did it on the purpose. Like the thumbnail they chose was a picture where I looked like logic, right? right. And then, so people clicked on the thumbnail, but then I guess they really fucked with the music. So they stayed there and then it got like recommended to everyone. So it just, it, it was a great foundation to start my own YouTube channel afterwards. Right. Yeah. So let's, let's get into that. Cause we haven't really talked too much since then. So it seems like you've made leaps and bounds of progress since then. So what have you been doing and, and what happened after that video, I guess. So after that video, basically like, my my youtube was at about maybe like six thousand subscribers so from like 300 to like six thousand wow. so that helped a bit but then i was kind of like i got lost in a little bit like listening to my friends and some people telling me i gotta make trap music to touch a wider audience which was like the worst era i could have done because the followers were there for that old school genre which it was like more natural to me so then at some point i was like last year that's when I released Blaze This Shit Up, which is like another like G-Funk type vibe on my YouTube channel. And then I ran some like little ads campaigns on Facebook, just nothing to it. And then people started to really fuck with it. And then people started to search for it on YouTube. And then that got to like, it's at 1.5 or 1.6 million views, I think on my YouTube channel. And it's just an artwork. There's no video clip or anything. So then after that, uh that's that's why i kept in the same style i i came with another song that my followers still loved and then i, I was at 20,000 subscribers on my uh on my youtube so then i really started to understand i didn't want to grow off of other people's youtube i had to grow with my youtube because this audience was really like a core fan base and then that's when i got like a distribution uh opportunity with belief so they're the company that owns tunecore Okay. So they saw the numbers I was doing and stuff. So one of their A&R approached me because he, he believed my music could be posted on some playlists. And then I got a two-year deal with them, which excludes my previous catalog. So it doesn't include everywhere you go. It doesn't include Blaze the Shit Up. It just includes what I'm releasing for the next two years. So I think I still have a year and a half to go with them. Hmm. And I still own my masters. So they just take 20% out of it. And then after the two years, I start having 100% of on uh, those tracks I had with them if I decide to like cancel the deal. Right. But like, man, they've been such like great help to me because they, they were pitching my music to Spotify playlists, like official playlists. And that's when my song Run My Shit really started to blow up. Like a song that I released in January. This song makes on Spotify at least a million streams every month right now. Oh. So now it's like all my songs together is like with all the platforms, more than 2 million streams per month. So that's why I could quit the day job because uh. I own my royalties. So it's great. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, it's been going up since then. Like they've added to the bottom of a big uh, playlist here in, uh, in Canada because Spotify, the way it works, depending on what your VPN is located on, mm. it depends like the first playlist that will recommend you. Right. Uh. So it was doing so well in a small Canadian playlist that also includes American artists, but it's just like people see it because they're in Canada, right? So that they added to a bigger one. And then it was second to last, like the 70, the 70, 
song, I think. I believe there was like 70 songs. And then it climbed up, up, up. And then once it was at number three, and then it was in Canada viral song. And then that's why they added to uh, It's Canada in the middle. And now it's climb, climbing up and now it's at seven and uh, It's Canada. So now like, I'm just waiting to get in the US market because right. there's like a hundred times more people there. So if I get in there, it's just gonna blow up, I believe. It's just like, it's so hard to get in those US playlists and international plays because you're competing about against artists that has like 20 million monthly listeners, you know? Yeah. So that's basically where I'm at right now. So yeah, it's, well, that's that's crazy. I'm, I'm so happy for you. Like, on, like it feels Thanks, good man. to have this conversation. Um, but that there's a lot to break down there. So which song is it that's getting on all these playlists right now? It's called run my shit Run my shit. Okay. And now even one... aside of, even aside of the playlist, it's at 1.1 million views on my own YouTube channel oh. without video clips. So it's, it's just works out everywhere. It seems like. Okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. So, was your distributor TuneCore this whole time? And then that's why they were seeing your analytics and they reached out to you? Exactly. Okay, cool. And yeah. then one of their A&R reached out to me and was like, yeah, that's okay. kind of, that's how kind of like they spot you. They spot you like, are you making numbers? Because they own TuneCore. Like yeah. when you get a, che a check from TuneCore, it says you got a check from Believe. I don't know right. if you noticed it, if you use TuneCore, but like, so then after that, I suppose the ANRs are like, well, is he does he have potential to get pitched onto bigger playlists? And then I had meeting with them and I just like but for my later song, I'm not working with like professional mix engineer and master engineer. I don't mix my records anymore, like everywhere we go and stuff. Right. So so that also allows me to get on the bigger playlists and stuff. Right. Yeah, that's that's another good point. Yeah. If once you start getting to that level, the quality of the music needs to match. But if we, if we go back and, you know, everywhere we go, you mix that yourself? Yeah, I also produced the, the beat. Wow. Wow. You made that whole song. That's crazy, man. But yeah, the fact that you're putting out music through TuneCore, which people don't, I mean, I've never heard a story where TuneCore or the parent company reached out to an artist because of how well they were doing, but it does make sense, right? They see you as it's, yeah, a business investor. It's not TuneCore that reached out to me. It's A&R from Believe, but he told me that's how he, they, they yeah. like, it was like, I really fought with your music and stuff. And like, obviously we discover artists because we see like the, the, what they're generating and we see what potential they can get more right. out of us, you know? Like, so obviously it's how to do it. Yeah, but what's what's crazy about that is, you know, it was like a distribution deal, but you had the leverage to have all of these benefits that you just broke down where it's only for two years. It's only for the music I'm putting out now. It's not my back catalog. It's not my masters, none of that. You had the leverage. Um, so the problem that a lot of artists tend to run into is they're looking for these deals. They're going out, they're trying to find it themselves. And when you approach other people, you're coming from a position of weakness. Whereas if you're just yeah. doing your own thing and you let people come to you when the time is right, you have all the leverage in the world uh, to get that type of deal. So I guess um, when they first reached out to you, what was the original offer like and how did negotiations go for it? Well, it's pretty much the offer they do though. They, they, they asked me, they were like, either you want to include your past catalog or either you want to, you, you just want to release everything for the next two years. But it, it's how they work. They're not a label. So they're not going to like invest money in you. They're not going to do any marketing for you. They're not going to manage you. They're really just pitching your music to, to, to playlister and they have, a, they have a contact at Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music and everything. So it's really like, they're just a distro. That's the big difference from a major label. Like major labels, you need leverage. I also got approached lately in like the, the last two months. I had, I had I've been approached by Sony Music Canada and Universal Music Canada. Mm. So I both had a, a meeting with them. And then there's a US division of Universal, which is like Republic. They've opened an independent arm, which is called Imperial. And they also reached out to me. But the thing is that all those things like, I haven't, I haven't uh, went deeper with a guy from Imperial, but I had meetings with like Sony and uh, Universal directly. And it seems like it's the typical label, label deal. Like I know what it is. And obviously I don't think I have enough leverage to go there yet. And my deal is still one year and a, I still have one year and a half to do with Belief. And I think it's a good thing because that, that doesn't allow me to sign with anyone else. And it allows me to even grow my incomes to have more leverage. Because if you think of us, he was making like way more money than me when he signed with a label. Like he was making $100,000 per month. You know? Yeah. 
it's like about 12 times more money than I'm making, you know? So like, so like he makes a lot of money, you know? So like at this point, it's like, I think it's just good to keep making more revenues, more revenues. I'm going to start my merch this summer. Probably like, I don't know if I'm going to go Patreon or if I'm going to go YouTube. Uh, there's a part of YouTube right now that you can ask some subscribers to pay monthly for some like exclusive oh. content directly on YouTube. And since I still have great uh, subscribers, I might do it that way. Yeah. So I think I'm going to do this for the next year and a half. And then after that, if I can get me like a, maybe, maybe I would sign with a major label if I can get a similar deal that Russ had, if right. I'm like there in the next year and a half. But like at the, at this, at the same time, like, why would I even need a label if I get to the point where I'm making a hundred thousand dollars from money? Like, I'm just going <laughs> to hire my own team, you know, like right. I'm still my own manager, you know? So yep. like, that's crazy. Like, yeah, man. Like, I, um, I know how to get my things. Like, I got my verified by myself. Like, I reached out to some PR companies. I did that thing. And then I added some into this thing. And, like, I started, like, I, so at this point, I'm like, bro, like, if I'm just going to, like, create myself a team. Like, maybe gonna, I'm going to work with you later on, you know? Like, once <laughs> I can't do my thing by myself, like, right. for real. Like, it's just going to, at the same time, like, I feel like major labels are just, like, they're giving you money and they're, like, paying other people's. Right. I know Universal said they also had their in-house marketing team, which was like really nice, but they said they also had like to outsource a lot of things. But yeah, bro, like I know some artists that like are with major labels and they can't live off of their music, you know, just right. because like, especially during the pandemic, like if you don't do shows and you don't get your, if you, if you make 15% out of your royalties and you don't do shows, like, bro, unless <laughs> you like make 20 million streams a month, like that's all. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I like that you're breaking all this down because it, it's another important point that I like to try and get across that if you don't have a manager and you are an independent artist, you are your own manager. And that's what mm -hmm. you just said. A lot of people are like, I don't have a manager. No, no, you are managing yourself. You have to be able to do all these things by yourself until the time yeah. comes where you can afford to put together a team or you need a team. Um, but I want to I want to go back even further because you said that you had listened to some external sources telling you what type of music to make and that it was the wrong decision so what was that like were they saying you know, oh, have snap. to make trap music and you kind of didn't really agree but you're like okay maybe i'll try it out or i mean what happened no, exactly that's a really really important thing and like uh because what happens and that's the mix i think it's a big mistake that like most artists make right mm. they're trying to be all over the place they're trying to be the next drake already from the beginning making R&B, making hardcore rap, making new school, making that <laughs> won't work. Like it works when all the planet knows your name. It right. works out because you already got your fan base. But when you're trying to build a fan base, like the way the algorithm works, that's the tricky part, right? So here it comes. Like I was making old school music. It was working. People were following me for that reason. All right. So then people to my ear started whispering me, hey, Simon, if you start making music that appeals to a wider demographic, imagine how boom this would go if your niche thing already goes boom. So then I was like, oh, yeah, I could make a trap record, but no, big mistakes because the way YouTube and algorithm works on all platforms, it starts with the people who follows you. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter. Like if I would have released uh, The Bucks, if I would have made the song The Bucks that Roddy Rich made and I would have posted on my channel, it would have never blew up. It would have never made a hit because the people, even though it's a hit song, because the people that follows me are not looking for this type of music. So they wouldn't have shared the record. They wouldn't have liked the record. And it, the algorithm would have been like, whoa, the people that follows you don't even fuck with your shit. So we obviously won't recommend it to some other audience. Right. You know? So that's kind of way, the way it works. But on the other, the, on the other hand, if you release stuff that your like uh, that your niche loves, it doesn't have to be a super like narrow niche. It could just kind of be like that that the people that follows you love. Like I know my people love beats that goes like that. They don't love that trap I had shit. So I'm not fucking with it, you know. <laughs> so then, so then what's gonna happen is that they're gonna share it, and then the algorithm is gonna be like, oh, those there's already like this amount of people that love this. Let's recommend it to some people that have a similar profile. Oh, those people also love it. And then it just goes boom on the internet. Mm. So you really got to stick to that method. Like, I'm not saying like, maybe if you have like a million like subscribers and you like have like a, 
freaking half a million dollar budget on each single like then you got no limitations because you can just like go and get everything but like if you're starting from the ground and from the mud literally like you gotta stay connected to your audience and you gotta please them for real because they're the one that gonna share your music and they're gonna and they like when people go to a party they often not always but often listen to the same type of music right mm -hmm. so if like your your chances are your followers their friends will also fuck with your music so then those friends will share it to some other people and it will it, it will be a snowball. But if you release like a trap song, maybe one guy in their gangs are going to fuck with it, but the other old school people that are hanging out with them are not going to fuck with it and it's not going to get recommended. So you got to stick to it like a similar genre. It doesn't have to be always the same song, but like that's the part I didn't understand at first when I heard it. I was like, yeah, no, if I make a hit song, it's going to go even. No, but that's not the way the algorithm works. They're just not going to recommend your song because your followers are not going to share it as much. Right. So that's just just the way that's what I've learned from it. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, and so I want to try and consolidate that with the advice that I normally give, because I always recommend artists make whatever music they want to make. Um, because, mm -hmm. You, know, you got to stay true to your creative self. And also with that, when you allow yourself to create whatever you want to create, you become a stronger artist, like you grow as an artist and as a person. Um, exactly. I think that you are right that when you're trying to grow an audience by staying within the niche that originally got you that audience you have a better chance of continuing to grow because like you said if they like it it'll go to other uh, listeners that have similar interests and then mm -hmm. it's going like that um, damn like, i know where you're going yeah so if you put out all these different genres yeah it is going to fall flat because your primary audience is going to get it first they're not going to love it and it's going to not spread so yeah i think there you could see both sides um whereas if you like let's say back in the day you really wanted to make trap i think you could have and i think you could have switched over to that or included that mainly if you wanted to but don't make trap just because your friends are telling you to make trap exactly but even there switching over to trap would have been super hard because all those first 6,000 followers that I had wouldn't have fought with my thing that much. Right. So I wouldn't have like, the algorithm would have been able to like tap in into what those people liked to, to find some similar profile to other people that would love it too, you know? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like you said, it's really important to do what you feel. I was really like, I'm super grateful that my song that blew up is a song that is the type of music that I genuinely love to right. make. If I would have blew up off of a remix off of a pop song that is like a trap remix on the social medias, that's the worst because then after that, everyone like wants those remix, everyone makes, wants you to make that funny freestyle rap song you did in the street. But like there, that's, I'm so happy that's not what happened to me because a lot of people blew up because of that like viral thing that is not really what represents them. Yeah. So then after that, when they want to do what they represent, what represents themselves, that's when their fan base are not fucking with it anymore. So that's that's like the 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 best thing you can do is blow up off of something that represents you, and that's really something you want to do. So that's why I'm not really fucking with a mentality that's like, oh, do something funny just to get famous and make music after. Mm. Like I believe it could work, but I I believe that there's nothing like a fan base that follows you for what you really are and really fucks with what you're doing from the really first point. Right. It's yeah. like yeah, like you say, if you get famous or you start to become successful uh, virally off of something that doesn't truly represent you, um, it does put you in a box to where you have to keep mm -hmm. making that type of content. Um, whereas if you blow up off of a song that you fucking love, that you produced and mixed and made yourself, um, that puts you in the box that you want to be because that's who you are. Exactly. And you want to make. Um, exactly. So let's let's go back to that song. So. Um, just because a lot of the artists that would be listening to this podcast probably are in the position you were prior to that. Um, so yeah. how did you, like, did you know this was going to be like a really good song? Did you like, I mean, the music video is awesome. Like how did all of it come together? Well, like I've always been like super intense with law of attraction. Like okay. law of attraction is my shit. Like I'm like, like I've been like meditating, doing visualization, like for like eight years wow. right now, you know, like, and I've been like, I was in university and I quit university. I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And like, I was just like every single song I was making, I was like, this is going to blow up every single time. It's really how I felt. And it's like, 
when I did that Everywhere We Go song, it was really like a magical moment of my life. Like I was still living at my parents' house. I was renting out their basement for like 500 bucks a month, you know, because I was done with school. My parents were like, if you're done with school, you got to pay your rent at home, which is a good thing because it learned me how to like, like it would have been best for me if I wouldn't have had to, because then it was hard for me to save my, my money for my music video, right? So then what happened is that I cooked the beat and like my parents were gone on a trip like a couple of weeks for the summers. And then I used to invent, invite my friends over for like some small parties and stuff yeah. like that. And then I cooked the beats and then my friends were like, oh my God, that's a fucking vibe. And then I was writing like my lyrics in the backyard sometimes when my friends were like chilling like outside and stuff like that. And it was really that vibration of like, damn, it's happening now, the energy is wild. So then after that, I was like, all right, we got a crazy ass record, all right? We got to make a video for it and we got to put it out at the same time because every people that was showing the song that, to them, they were like, fuck, that's like, that's, there's something there, you know? Some people were like, do you really think it's like, you want to invest in that song? It's like more old school, it's not you. But mm -hmm. like people that, but they were always saying, but I really love it, you know? Right. So I was like, people really love it and I really love it. So then that's how I got in contact with like um, a friend of mine that used to, uh, that does a little bit of videos and stuff. And he was like, I can make you something for 1500. But I didn't even add 1500 right away at this time because I knew I had to keep a little bit for like uh, all the other things I was doing because I just had bought a mic. I just had bought like a, a, a vocal boot that, my, that a friend built for me. So I bought all the things and he built it in my parents' basement. So then I was broke. So then, and I was like, I only have $1,500 for the back. I need $1,500 for the video. So I went to a place like, so that's just a story to say, you don't yeah. need money at first, right? So I went to the city, right? And uh, in, in the city, there was that thing that was wanted to help entrepreneurs start new business, right? So I went there and was like, all right, so I'm a musician. And then I passed the interview. And then I had to like literally say everything I was going to do with their money. So they ended up giving me, I think something like 4,000, which I bought like Omnisphere to make some other beats with. I bought uh, a better mic afterwards. I switched my uh, old for like a Neumann mic. Ooh. And then, but I recorded everywhere we go with like a $200 mic. So. <laughs> and then, and then uh, they gave me money for $1,500 for a music video. It's just like nothing really much, right? You can't do that much with $1,500, you know? Right. But I was like, everything was just like, against the law of attraction. I was like, this is happening. I kept believing all the time. It was like, something big is happening. Let's go, let's make it happen. It's always been my mindset. Always, just like right now, I'm sitting here in my apartment. I already feel, I already see my, my new crib. I already see my 458 in my garage. It's mine. It's just, I can't touch it. Yes. Already, you know? And then, and then, so that's how it went. And then I spoke to um, another friend of mine, like his parents were living in like a super nice ass neighborhood. And, and, and like, I was really friendly with her parents. Everything was going there. And there was a lot of party at his house too. And I was like, hey, like, it'd be crazy if I could film a music video in your backyard. Because it is, there's that like nice crib in the, in the everywhere we go video, right. right? And then like, so we threw a party at his place. And like, all the people in the videos are my friends. Yeah. So like, I didn't have to hire any actors anymore. <laughs> I just like, I bought like alcohol. And I told people, bring your alcohol too. Because like, I was too broke to pay the alcohol for everyone. <laughs> but like, so then... That's that's what happened, right? So everyone got drunk and we just recorded like a video clip and it felt real. And I rented a car for 200 bucks for two hours. Mm. And I literally like, I really like me and my friend co-directed the video because I took screenshots of the map on like another city in Montreal, which is the big city near my city. And I was like, oh, maybe we could film there near this graffiti wall. And then I found the guy like, so I did all the production for the music video, right? I found the guy that ran the cars. I organize the event. I tell everyone there's going to be a party there. And then for the video shot. So we, sh we shoot all the, the, um, the video of the party during one afternoon and all the shots with the car in two hours, because I only had the car for yeah, two yeah. hours. Right. So I, I, so I had to plan all the places I was going to go for. So I did all that. And then after that, I posted a music video again, like a month after two months after the video only had like 4,000 views. I was like, fuck. And then my <laughs> friend was like, bro, like you got a crazy video, man. You got a crazy song. You got to do something with it. But my friend Emilio used to tell me that who is like my lawyer now. He's like, he helped me like did the contract for my deal. And also when I purchased beats and stuff. So then he wasn't a lawyer at the time, but he was studying for it. Mm. And then, 
And then that's when I was like, yeah, fuck, I got to do something. So I tried Summit Hub and nothing mm. happened and did anything. And then I was in a group with you and some other people and oh, stuff right. like that. And I saw like that you posted, Oren got a rap nation. And I was like, yo, can I get on there? And then you just <laughs> slided me the email. You were like, yo, that's the email I found on, I think it was like Instagram, a YouTube channel. Right. Like maybe it still works, some shit like that. Maybe. Yeah. So like, I could have went there, but like, I didn't know anyways, you gave me that. And I think it's the good thing is that the email wasn't probably the same on there anymore. So you got me a great email. Yeah. So I send it and he was like, yeah, I guess I could post this video. <laughs> and then in like two months, I added like a million views and I was like, whoa, my yeah. first million views. And then it started going great on the, on the, that's, that was the first break, right? Right. So that's, it was the point where like that song was generating about $800 per month with like, for me, because I wasn't making, I wasn't making money off of the rap nation, but I was making money off of the Spotify, Apple music, the Google play and all those things. So with 800 bucks uh, a month, plus my, my job, my, my day job, like that I was working, I was able to like, to start leasing, like purchasing beats and stuff like that after that. And, that's how I claim up and then I invested in mix and master because now just my mix master is 500 bucks per song, you know? So like, obviously I have more budget now. Like, yeah. so that's, that's kind of like how it went, but like everything had to like be done by myself. Like I didn't like, and I edited the video with the guy too. I was there eight hours with the guy and I was like, maybe you could put this there. Maybe that we could put it there. Oh, I feel like the course we would need like a shot that like adds energy. Like I was, because right now, like every single, like, clip I small clip I release I don't know if you've noticed but I released like a one video one minute video small clip with every re every uh, release I put on my Instagram mm. my friend films it with his phone and I do the editing right mm. so then I save cost there so basically it's all about the DIY stuff at the beginning man you got to be a jack of all trade like unless you got big money or like you got a family that can literally like sponsor you everything because I personally come from a really great family. My, my dad's a military and my mom's a nurse, but they're not like rich business order right. and like owners who got to freaking like finance my music career. Like that was not going to happen. You know, like my sister went to the military, military college. Like they, had, they didn't have to pay anything for education or anything. Like they were cool with me, but it's really like, there was no chance that we're going to finance my music career. Like, right. so I had to like do everything. So, and I believe everyone can do anything, you know? So, when, if you're like, I don't have a, so many people come at me like, bro, can I record a song? Can I do something? Bro, just search. Like, there's probably like a, a place where you can get a mic for $200, like, or $100. And like, don't tell me you can't save up $200. Like, that's not true. Like, just don't go drunk. Don't do some fucking coke right. on the weekend. Like, I don't know. Bro. <laughs> don't do get your shit together. Yo, that's, <laughs> I'm sniffing that. That's going on my on my Instagram. Don't do coke on the weekends. Just uh, buy a mic instead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's um, that's real, though. Uh, it's all about reducing overhead, because when you look at it from a business perspective, which I think is very important, a lot of artists just look at it as I want to make some music, I want to put it out, you know, I want to get super famous. But you have to look at it as a financial timeline, like at what point can I start bringing in a certain amount of money that'll provide for me and allow me to, you know, sustain myself and then with that, you know, you have to deduct all of your overhead. So are you paying for studio time? Are you paying for mix and master? Are you paying for beats? Like all that has to be factored in um, for, for that actual financial success. Um, and that's what you did. So I actually really like the beginning part where you're saying um, you had a friend build you a vocal booth. What did that look like? Yeah, yeah, it was actually really, really nice, man. Like I paid for the materials and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was like a big ass wooden box and he had some like sonopan some like so uh it was like um literally like uh soundproof and i had an acoustic treatment treatment on it in the interior so i bought acoustic foam and i put it literally everywhere so it was like really great vocal how big was this oh it was like you could fit like seven people in there oh shit so it was like a little room but really tight like really yeah. tight seven person i would say but it was like kind of big, like there was like an outside door, like I purchased an outside door. So ah. it's sealed for the sound. It cost me, I think about like $1,100 to okay. do it all. Yeah. Because so the was... friend did the job for me. Right. So it was all like, the that was before we were go. Oh, okay. That's why yeah. I didn't have the music for the video clip. And I had to reach out to this other place to get like financing from like a, 
it's not financing. It's like they give money to the new entrepreneur from there. Right. You obviously have that in your city. Like if you start up. Yeah, it was a small it. business loan, essentially, right? Yeah, but it wasn't a loan. It's like they give it to you. Oh, a grant. It was like a, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you're in Canada. Uh, Canada's awesome in that they have a lot more grants like that. The United States does, but they're much harder to get. I actually know uh, a bunch of people who are in Canada who have gotten grants. Um, because your system apparently works way better. And we've applied for a few for Donze because he's Canadian as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's awesome. So you you went through the steps. Like, it's all about figuring out what is available to you and how to put it to you. So like for you, you decided you have a friend who could help you make a booth if you provide the materials. How do I afford yeah. that? You did that. You bought a, a fairly cheap mic. So what was that first mic you had? It was, uh, I think I still have it. <laughs> it was Audio Technica uh, 804040. Ah, the 4040. That's what I recorded everywhere we go with. Hell yeah. It's yeah, I got a great mic. Like, for real, it's all about the mix. Like, literally, like, that song, Run My Shit, that is now on two freaking uh, It's Canada, like, and Spotify, like, doing great numbers. Like, I recorded it with, like, the, the Neumann, but it's a TLM 102, so it's like, not a big mic and like a scarlet freaking audio interface yeah. so it's all about the mix and the master get like a great mix and master engineer but at the beginning i there's no way i could afford 500 for a mix and master for every song that was going to put out like i was just i was just not going to happen but like so you got to find a way to make money with your music at first so like law of attraction is the key because that's the part i didn't tell you like once once the video on rap nation was at like 50,000 views, right? Mm. On Rap Nation. Like, I took a screenshot and I photoshopped it to a million. And I like yeah. meditated on it. <laughs> and then it happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Like, that was one of their best performing videos. Um, and I mean, it might have been part of the, the logic thumbnail or whatever, but mm -hmm. the song was really good in that it had a carryover. Like, you gained fans on your channel from that, which, uh, is typically very difficult to do. Usually if they're a fan of Rap Nation, they'll, you know, they'll like the video and they'll comment or something, but they usually don't search out the original artist and like become a fan. So for that yeah, to have sure. happened, the song was really good. Uh, the music video is really good. And the fact that you did it all yourself. And, you know, I love that you broke down how when you shot the video with the car, you had two hours, which means you had to figure out exactly where you're gonna yeah. shoot everything, how you're gonna get the car from point A to point B in order to do those shots. Um, a lot exactly. of thought went into it um, because if you don't have money, you have to put in much more work. Um, and that's yeah. exactly what you did. So TLM 102, that's interesting. I have a TLM 103 back here, actually, but they're very similar mics. And, yeah. uh, and I like that you said that it is about the mix and master. And with you, a big point is you level up as your career levels up. You know, you don't go out and get the big Neumann right, right off the bat because you don't need it first off. I mean, the mix and master yeah. is so much more valuable. Like you can record yeah. on an AT2020, $100 mic with a Focusrite, Solo, 2i2, $100 interface. And then if you get a good mix, it sounds as good as a lot of other music. It doesn't really matter yeah. that much. Well, the 103 is a great mic too. Like the 102 is a good mic. The 103 is like even better. So like it's L depends on the preamps too. Like the next purchase I would do is a preamp, but mm. obviously like I'm going to put money in the marketing before I put it in the preamp because... Good. But that makes it like, especially my next song coming out, like the mix is so great. It's not going to make a difference, like, <laughs> but it, it will. But like, come on. Yeah. So you, you started out um, with very little money, very little streams and all that. And you figured out a way to get a mic, get a studio, um, get a grant in order to put a, a big effort into this song that you really believe in and make that music video. Um, and then as everything started to progress, you began to upgrade with it. Um, which is just awesome because that's what you have to do. And, you know, yeah. by mixing everything yourself, producing yourself, I mean, that th that reduces so much of your initial costs of entry. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the cost of entry. And I've put a lot of, lot of money for my day job in there. You know, like I wasn't like going on trips and stuff. I wasn't like buying no fancy car like my toyota corolla like i drove it until it died like, <laughs> for real like yeah. i was putting the money at the right place well it's really like i really believed so much it was like no that it was gonna happen and now it's like see it's good it's the it's the most paying job i've ever had in my life right now and yeah 
I'm not even doing shows, you know? And that song, Everywhere We Go, on my Spotify is, is making more streams than I ever done before. Wow. Yeah. So, what is your, because people uh, keep discovering it. So. so you're making like 2 million streams per month, something like that, you said? Yeah, that's like included. It, that's including Spotify, YouTube Music, Apple Music, and my YouTube too. So like just on just Spotify alone, it's making about 1.4 to 1.5 million streams a month. Yeah. And then YouTube music, I got a couple. So like, yeah, it's, and my, my average is great because my people are like, uh, the pay rates are not the same depending on where your fan base are. Right. So yeah, so my pay rates is great. So for me, it's, it's good. Like, it's like I would have went to university and like worked for the government for like 10 years. So <laughs> I'm happy. Rosa. Yeah. Okay, man. So you're in a great position. Um, we've kind of gone over the progress up till now. Um, and you just mentioned something about the fact that you're making a certain amount of money without doing shows. So is that something that you plan on doing next? Like what, what do you see for the next year or so? Yeah. For 2022 for me, because now in Canada, it's all virtual shows for the <laughs> okay. moment. It's still only virtual shows. Like it's, well, if not, it's like hundred people maximum and stuff like that. So yeah, so that's, that's another thing I want to do. And I'm going to concentrate on marketing to uh, like the cities near me mm -hmm. so that people know that the song they have in their phone is from a guy from the city because i don't want my song to become bigger than me you know right so it's really important because now it's blowing up so much like i get sometimes i'm walking and i hear a car playing my track you know <laughs> and like and like some like a, like i was at the park the other day and then a friend of mine uh told me that her friends like she was listening to my song in her car and my friend was like, you know, that's like my friend. She was like, what? I discovered it on like blah, blah, Spotify. She saves it. She listens to it. Like it's in her own personal place. She was like, whoa, he comes from the city. Like they didn't even know I spoke French. That was like from Quebec. Like, so that's the thing. Like I want to focus because that's going to, that's going to be a bigger impact on their sense of belonging if they know I come from the city. Like they follow my music, they listen to it, they share it. They don't even know I come from the city. So a lot of people know, but now the word starts to spread. Yeah. That's why I started to reach out to like traditional medias and like, I want to do a PR campaign so I can be like uh, the first artist from Quebec, because Quebec is like the French Canadian community of Canada to export themselves like internationally with his music, you know? Yeah. So in the hip hop. So I think that would, if they play the song and they show this, people are going to be like, oh, that's the song I listen to. This guy comes from here. So I want to make sure that like, I'm not just a song that people are also relating into my music. And now it's also the reason why I'm having a new video clip dropping on uh, next Friday with mm -hmm. a new song, you know? So okay. first big video clip with a production company, because now I could finally afford that. And again, I finished some way to pay like, like the, the like, I don't know how to say that in English, damn. I don't know why, <laughs> like, like, it's literally like, less than 50 less than five times the price i would have had the, it would have oh, paid wow. me it, it would have cost me yeah yeah wow. it literally cost me 20 percent of the like it would have cost me how'd you finesse because my friends what how'd you finesse it oh so well again like a friend of mine since like 10 years we are super great friends like when I just started making freestyle raps before we recorded the song, he was like, I want to make movies later. And we were all about love attraction, right? right. So now he has his own production company <laughs> in the big city near me. And he does commercials and stuff like that. Like big commercial, he shoots with red cameras. And now he has his wow. team, people, people that place the lights, everything. So he's worked on, on like uh, on big production and stuff like that. And he was like, yeah, I, I want to make that like the first big music video, you know? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. But he was like, you got to trust me, though. It got to be like my ideas. and I'm going to direct it. I'm like, okay. okay. So so it cost me like $7,000 instead of like 30 something thousand dollars, right. know, which is great. A great bargain. And it was crazy, man. And another thing is like, I'm, we also have like low rider cars, like the cars with hydraulic suspension, yeah. because there's a there's like a group called the Supreme Lowrider uh, team in our region. Mm -hmm. And they basically pulled out for free because they were a fan of my music. Like six months before I we ago, they were like, dude, every time you want to make a clip, we're gonna we're gonna come there. Like we're gonna be there. 
Yeah. Normally they charge labels like when it comes to making videos. It's like two hundred dollar per cars and stuff like that. And they all came for free. They brought the low rider bikes and stuff, everything. So I was so that dropped the cost also. Like the break dancer, like he he also came for free. He was like, yeah, bro, I fuck with the vibe and stuff like that. So we basically had to hire like the makeup artist. We had to hire like the guy that operates the camera. We got to hire like the the um, one of the models and stuff like that. So they rent out the place where we would uh, record the video and stuff like that. And they had crazy discount on the equipment too because they had great contacts. Hmm. So that I can't even believe they did that production for as much low as for such a small price because. There was like lights everywhere, like everything was like perfect and like all everything was planned. Like between every shot, they would put the the lights in a different angle and stuff like that. And, oh. and they had like a storyboard, like uh, they the, the yeah. director literally, literally draw every single like camera angles like on how it would look. So I'm super excited to see the first version of like the editing and stuff because I'm gonna yeah. receive that maybe Monday since it's coming out Friday. And yeah, so. I can't wait for this one to come out, man. That's exciting. Yeah, I mean, that's your first like real professional music video shoot. Um, what what did you learn from that aside from you know what it's like to have people with specific roles? Because typically when you shoot your own videos, you're kind of doing everything. Um, so I mean, yeah. aside from the fact that there's like a whole team of people, what did you learn from the experience? Well, first things first, it's not, a, it's really like, it takes a lot of pressure out of your shoulders. It's not as stressful because you all, you can focus on just performing right, right. doing your move right. So you, you always will look at the cameras, everything was like, you'll be like more in the mood. And the other thing I, I, I thought it takes way more time because yeah. I'm used to just shoot outside when the light is great. Yeah. Now it's literally, we shot, we did the video at night. So they literally had to like place everything between every shot. And then I would wait, like literally ate a snack and then they would call some people. Okay, it's your turn guys, let's go. One, two, three, action. And then they would call me after, okay, it's now. You can come forward, come back. This is the place. And then the little acting skit at the beginning, there was like, they were like holding like a ball in the air. Like, so I would have to look at the, at the ball for the contact for me, which place I was looking to. Yeah. It was like everything was like calculated. And it was wow. Crazy. They, they had a ball to, to, to make sure you looked at the exact right place. Yeah. For the acting skit at the beginning and stuff like that. <laughs> That's crazy. It was, that sounds like a lot. It was of nice fun. to see. Yeah. And it was nice to see like my friend, like my, one of my best friends literally like, like it was the first time I was on his production yeah. and to see where, where it was like, you know, so you got to see him do his thing. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see him do his thing with all this team. Like, and everyone was like really fucking with his vibe and we're like, like a part of his vision and his vision was sharp. Like, yeah. I can't wait because it's funny. The way the video starts, it's like, I'm, I'm working at the grill, like at, okay. like a, at an old diner. And then I just like, I, I look at someone eating like, and there's that old dude just eating his freaking hamburger and it's just like nasty way. And it's like, and I'm like, oh, so I just want to quit my job. And then I look at the radio and then it says a new MyFoot song drops on a radio. So I'm like, oh shit. And then I take off my, 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 uh, my outfit that, that I used to work with and I throw in front of the camera like that. And then once it drops out, the beat starts and that's, I start, I just like, you see me like on top of the counter i start to rap the songs and i get on top of the table where people are eating and they're just like bouncing everyone just like gets contagious by the music and then after that that's where it, go it goes outside into the lowrider community and stuff uh -huh. like that so so there's like a touch of like a it's funny at the same time the video is funny but it's like it's for real it's not like a yeah. parody or anything kind of like I did with everywhere we go. Like instead of shooting guns, I would shoot like water pistols and like play dice with Monopoly money. Like yeah. just to add like a little funny touch of it. Because at the end of the day, I'm still like a white dude making G funk music. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. so I know all sorts of community and people from every ethnicity are they're, they they love my music and stuff. But at the same time, I know like I speak in my own positive way with the G funk. Like I'm not speaking about flipping breaking packs of drugs and killing people right. because that's not where I live, right? So I twisted in my own way. So I, I feel like the visual also had to be like, so, and my friend really cut the vision, right? He was like, let's let's make it funny a little bit, but make it super gangster at some other time. So it's yeah. like, 
so we clearly know it's not a parody but at the same time we're like this guy is super fly but like at the same time he's not taking himself like super seriously like yo i'm running the street and yeah. stuff because it's not what i'm living it's not what i speak about so yeah i can't wait to see it i know me too and yeah i think one of the overall themes here is just the um it's like realness it's authenticism you know like you're not making music that doesn't really represent you you're not trying to do anything that doesn't fit you as a person um and i think that's really important because you know in any type of business consistency is key and it's harder to be consistent if you're forcing things and faking things and talking about things that you haven't lived you know what i mean like a lot of artists they struggle with that because that's the mainstream and they're going to try and do the mainstream, but they've never lived it and they can't keep making music about it because they haven't experienced it. Whereas for you, you're making authentic music where you talk about your actual life. And because of that, it's always going to be you. And so even with the videos being a little bit funny, just throwing a touch of that funniness, cause it is a white guy making some funk music, you know, like it matches you. And I think it gives people uh, a deeper connection to you because there's a little bit of, vulnerability when you do that kind of stuff as opposed to someone who's just hard you know all the time yeah it's all about being real man it's all about being real especially like in your own city like especially in my city like there's no artist that made it big from my city ever you know there's so like their belief around like an artist that wants to make it from my city was like zero (laughs) so like if i was gonna come and like start speaking about shit i'm not living it wouldn't have worked like you can always like we say in quebecers like you can make it like more juicy you can add some extra layers to what you're saying but as long as it's real as long as if someone takes you in the corner of the bar and say hey what about that line you can always explain yourself right that's how i felt i felt like if if any out of my lines you say hey why did you say this or that like i can always explain myself right so yeah. it's always real you know because obviously you got to write song like it's still like a, you got to make people feel a vibe like yeah but everything that you speak about has to be real it has to be like like it has to represent your energy That's okay sure. so real quick um i want to go all the way back so like how did you first find g-funk as like the style that really resonated with you and i guess how long has this journey so far been for you in making music Oh man, it's when I made that everywhere we go beat. I was always listening to music like that. I've always loved G-Funk, mm-hmm. but like I, w- I never thought of it. Like I wasn't even like thinking about the sound that G-Funk's use, how to make a G-Funk use. I, I just made a beat. I was like, whoa, that's super fly. <laughs> yeah. Let's record a song onto it, you know? And it's, I don't know, it just happened by itself. I believe in the flow. Were you doing a lot of production before that? Or like, I mean, how long were you making music prior to that song, I guess? So I started really making beats maybe uh, maybe five years ago I started making beats. That's it? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I started making beats. But I was playing drums as a kid, though, but okay. nothing nothing uh, notes related. Okay. So no like keyboards or anything. Maybe, yeah, five to six years ago, that's when I started making beats. And, and then, I was making, like, pop beats and stuff like that. But if, I was rapping prior to that. Oh, okay. But I, I was I was bad, dude. <laughs> I was so bad. But then, like, I started making beats, and I started using the guitar, and I started singing. And then once I've learned how to use my vocal as an instrument and made, like, a song or two like that, that's when I went back to rap, what I was always been about first. Because I always loved hip hop. I was a b boy when I was a kid. Like I was a break dancer. So then, that's so. Then after that, I knew how to use my vocal in the right way to make a proper rap song. Okay. So that's how every go everywhere we go took off. You know. Okay. Gotcha. Everywhere we go was like my first like real rap song. Like that. I was like, all right, let's like before that, I didn't even know what a mix was. Like my first uh-huh. rap song, I recorded it with my MacBook microphone. I was yeah. rapping in front of my MacBook <laughs> and I recorded it with that. Now, and that's that's what it was. And, and my friend, my friend was were still bumping that song. It was actually a catchy, like the first, because I never write my verse. I always like spit it kind of like a freestyle, remember it in my mind and record it. Wow, like Jay-Z. Because if I write it, I feel it takes you off of like the, a lot of people, that's what I noticed, especially rappers that are starting. 
their freestyle sounds more musical than their written songs. Right. Find the errors because they're in the flow when they freestyle, mm-hmm. but they focus too much on the lyrics when they write and they, they lack that like musical vibe. Right. When you can link both, that's when it's really happening. So like, if you're just like, you move and then, then you, you remember your line. Cause if you want to make multi-syllable rhymes, like obviously you're not just gonna freestyle like those crazy rhyme patterns, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, if you know the notes and you just keep bouncing and then you go like that, it's instead of like sitting on a, on with a pen, it's going to be way more music related. What you're going to write is going to be more music related. Yeah. And that's real. Um, And I've talked about that a few times, mainly when I do like my song review stuff, because you can hear it right when you hear a song and it's like, dude, I, I can picture this guy standing in the studio, like, like trying to read his lines off of his phone and it's like you can tell it doesn't have that same authenticism it doesn't it just doesn't fit as well and of course you've said it many times like if you've if you've practiced it and you've been writing it for a long time every time you say a line I feel it loses some of its um its potency you know when you first say it for the first time that's so real that's when it's it's perfect and then every time you rehearse and you keep trying and you keep trying and you're rewriting it then it just starts to lose what it originally was and it takes too much time to record your takes it takes like you infinite takes say (laughs) writing in a studio is good too sometimes i love to write on my longboard but all i say is i never write it down i remember it in my mind i love to be in movement but like you said what you write right now in the studio if you go record it right now you're not gonna overthink it it's just gonna come out well that's true that's so true man yeah and especially if you're like focusing on trying to as you said write the inner rhyme schemes and get all the syllables Mm -hmm. like you're overthinking it and you're overdoing it and then when it comes out it won't sound like you at all because it's clear that you were just looking at a dictionary trying to make something happen (laughs) exactly and like like when you first start rapping just bring a flow a melody and a vibe before you're even trying to do those multi-syllable things like before you're trying to do the and those triplets type of things, just try to have an easy, smooth flow. And you'll you'll notice that those big hit songs are never complex lyrics, the complex rhyme scheme, because there's songs that people wrote when they were in the flow. That's yeah. why a lot of these rappers where they say makes no sense, but it makes you groove because they're just freaking high and they're right. saying that bullshit. We don't mind, but like people, it makes them vibrate because they were like, dancing and moving while they while they like wrote the song like mm-hmm. so i think it's really important like it's music at the end of the day like i'm not writing slams like i'm making <laughs> music yeah. you know it's an instrument like the first song i wrote it was like the lyrics were stupid but it was always they're literally the first song i've ever recorded and wrote like the first 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 song like you're not, ne- not never gonna find it on the internet yeah <laughs> because it was recorded with my macbook like but there was still a melody, like it was like living good, living high, living fly, cheat down city across the sky, living. There was always a melody, like whoa, jig it, turn it tight, turn it ass on it, it. There was like I don't remember the lyrics, like, but I know it was like yeah, there was one lyrics that was like THC level is high as the sky, so when you hit this shit, it gon' get you high, it gon' get you fly, and you can deny. It's when you smoke that shit, man, you feel fly, so let's go with the. So you know, like it's super basic, and it was like no attitude but there was already like you could already groove to it right that's when my friends were like dude it's super like the shittiest recording everything in my vocals i was trying to make my voice like rah, rah, when ah. i was rapping but it were like but they were like yo like it's still a mood like it's still a, <laughs> it's still a mood yeah that's but the thing um melodies are undeniable and if you look at the vast majority of hit songs that have done really well it's usually because of the melody whether it's in the beat or it's in the vocals um as an instrument in the song it's mostly about the melody and less so about what's actually being said and that's why you know we talk about like mumble rap and people just saying nonsense but if it fits the song and it makes the song sound good there's going to be people who are going to like it because a lot of people especially if you're not in the the music industry like before you get into the music industry you don't pay attention to the words as much but once you become an That's artist true. then you start overthinking everything and analyzing everything but to casual listeners they just want a good melody that they can just play mm-hmm. and vibe out to so that's definitely uh key and i think that's part of your success is just letting it flow yeah and the goal is to do both like everywhere we go is a bit of both 
it was not so much melody, but that, because that's the thing, like, it doesn't have to be like necessarily like a melody with notes. Mm -hmm. It can be per, uh, percussion emphasis on yeah. rhymes that makes you hit the beat. Yeah. That's another really important thing. Like if you bounce like that, even if you put your rhyme on the snare, if it's not on the, if, if your vocal makes me want to go like that yeah. and your other rhymes doesn't land here, but it land here, I don't care if it's still land on the tempo and on the snare. It doesn't land along the dance mm -hmm. move of the songs. Like it has, the song has to make you move a certain way, you know? That's, and then when I find rappers that are able to have that, like I call that switch flows. Like the flows are switched. They're always landing. Like you can anticipate them. Every yeah. time he goes, let's say he goes like, then that song will go like fresh to death. Ten and ten, ten and ten, ten and ten, and S to X. Like yeah. you already know where it's going to come. Right. So when I listen to a song and I expect the rhyme to hit and it's before or after it, I'm like, that's no good. Right. Exactly. That's why I'm not a big fan of Jay-Z because he misses that too much. He's good. <laughs> He's good with it. But like, Listen to like B Big L, Notorious B.I.G. Like those guys, they always have switch flows. Right. Always. Flows are always switch. But most of the time, Jay-Z has switch flow. But Jay-Z is just one of those big mainstream rappers that doesn't always have a switch flow. But it's because he had crazy lyrics and like legendary vocal delivery. The ear expects certain things to happen. And because, exactly. And what they say is that... Um, Pretty much there's no new music under the sun like everything's been done before and what people respond to is things that they've heard before people like what they know and if you've been listening to any of music from the past it's always going to be that switch flow like you talked about almost always so if a if a rhyme doesn't come at the right time and it comes like before or after the snare or the beat your mind's like wait what the fuck just happened and it doesn't it doesn't respond right um, so I think that's a, a great point with uh, how you deliver your lyrics um, and, and making sure that they match the beat. Yeah, that's for sure, man. And it's like, and you can't think about it. If you start thinking like, oh, let's put it on the snare. Like it, it's not mathematical. Like right. it's, a, it's a feeling. It's a vibe, bro. It's like, so if you try too much, it'd be like, oh, to put place, if you think your music, you're way off. Right. Like you shouldn't have to think your music and your rhythm it should come to you right it should literally come to you and should make you move it should make you that's how i feel yeah i don't know it's just slow it has, sometimes you, you can't stand up and move your body language if you want people to go like that when they sing a chorus go like that when you write your chorus <laughs> right. and see if it syncs with your body language if you want right. people to go like that when you write your chorus then like that like do it just do it and you'll see you'll feel it that it's counterintuitive if it doesn't work along with the vision you want to have like right you feel it move in a certain way and your, your creativity will make people move in a certain way right all That's right man so the last thing i wanted to to kind of have you explain or break down is um you know you've made it to the point where you are financially stable as an artist and you only have growth ahead of you um what kind of stuff do you do on a daily basis and what does your schedule look like and how do you kind of balance and organize everything? Damn, that's the thing, bro. I'm not super like, I'm not the, the type of person that really works with a schedule that much. Hmm. I'm just obsessed with my music career. So I know it's, I'm never gonna leave it aside. aside. So hmm. I don't have to worry about having like a tight schedule, but obviously I do like my accounting like every three months, make sure my expense is like, are, are working with like uh, with my revenues and stuff like that. I put my money aside for my taxes in advance. So when the end of the year is gonna arrive, I'm gonna be able to pay all my taxes and stuff. That's the only thing that I really like do by a specific day. It's like, listen, right. I know at the end of the three months, I'm gonna have to do my accounting for this and that. Right. That's, that's, that's for sure. But for the rest, for like writing songs, sometimes, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell me like okay those two days I'm gonna record music I'm gonna record this song and I I always have like um fuck I'm, it's not answering your question bro your answer was like <laughs> your question was like things that I do every day bro I love nah, to be all it. over the place and do different things I love to get inspired feel grateful just be grateful because my people listen to my music they feel great so if I don't mm -hmm. feel great how can I make music that my fan is going to relate to right. so I feel grateful I make sure I do do things that I love and I try to get a high of energy in so many kinds of way like either I'm going to go race my motorcycle or like 
I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go like for a bike ride, longboard, like everything. I'm just gonna. I have to charge my soul with energy, right. basically. That's what. It's not really like conventional what I'm saying, but like. Oh, yeah, I it's not like real. I have this thing that I do every day. I don't have. I'm not a routine guy at all. Okay. Yeah. So I mean that what you said is very similar to um, other things that I've heard or talked about where as an artist, you make music about your life. So you have to have a life to write about. And exactly. Yeah. So you have to go do things. You have to do the things you love. You have to energize yourself by doing the things that bring you joy um, because that will help you make better music and tap into that uh, a lot easier. Um, but all right, man, Simon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, where Thanks can you, people man. find you, bro? They can find me everywhere, just like YouTube MindFlip or mm. Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, just MindFlip. And guys, it's the law of attraction. Everything is possible. Close your eyes and visualize, but do it for the right reason. If you make rap just because you want to be famous and become a rapper, it's not going to happen. If you make it because you feel you have something special to share and you can make people vibrate to the sound of your sonics, do it. Ooh, ooh, drop the mic, bro. <laughs> yeah, that was that was real. All right, man. I'm gonna wrap it up. Thank you so much. Uh, and I'm just I'm so proud to see where you've where you've gotten to. And I know we we talked briefly about how you know you were part of the community I created a few years ago and I helped you get on, you know, rap nation and all that. But you know, it was not me. It was all you, and I'm very proud of the success you've I'm super created. grateful I've met you because dude, I wouldn't have been on Rap Nation. I wouldn't have had that first <laughs> investment at the beginning that like everything happens for a reason though. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I was super able to help grateful. In some way. Yeah, man. All right. I'm gonna wrap it up. Thank you. Peace. All right.